0: All right. I know uh, most convention goers really look forward to this um, next presentation. Uh, We call it our town hall meeting because we learn everything there is to learn and then some about what's really going on in DBS and what's going on with the vendor program as well. Um, Our director, Robert Doyle, has graced us with his presence once again. It's a Saturday. It's a family day. And Robert Doyle graciously agrees to come, and give up his weekend with his family, and participate in our uh, convention. We're grateful. It's his birthday and anniversary. It's his birthday and anniversary. anniversary. Today, Robert? His birthday was yesterday. And the anniversary is? Tuesday oh that 's good i wouldn't want you to be up here on your anniversary. You know we sang "Happy Birthday" to Nigel that was ye- that was yesterday as well. I think we should sing a belated one day late happy birthday to director Doyle. Are we ready for Robert? Happy birthday One, two, three. happy birthday. Hey, you haven't lived until you've had happy birthday sung to you by the 63rd Florida Council, of the Blind Quartet. Wonderful. Um, he got a, I think he got embarrassed. too. That's good. I like that. Uh, that's really good. I like that. Um, all right. Uh, Braille, Bre- Braille, B-R-L-F breakfast. We all got that. Um, the banquet is tonight uh, I'm sure it will be every bit as good or better than even last night if it can be um, I look forward to you all uh, finishing up the afternoon with your special interest affiliates meetings and uh, without further uh, ado for me I'm gonna let my Robert Doyle take over the microphone okay yeah we got it we got a door prize uh, door prize lady is going to keep us all on the edge of our seats. There will be a door prize, so don't run out. I'm sure if you announce the raffle, there's a five dollar raffle for get your hotel room. Oh, who's doing that?
1: Uh, Doug Doug Hall was talking about. it. <laughs> huh.
0: Doug, you want to come up and talk about that? I'm sorry. <laughs> ah, didn't tell me. What do I know? Must be a Lewis. Me and friends of the library. <laughs> you did a good job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so what are you, thirty nine again? No. Well I'm not, not uh yeah, I'd be nice, right? <laughs> it's hard to find you. Think, hey sir. Right here. <laughs> I was looking for you, but I I didn't I'm right here. I'm right no, here. I, I was I was in the back and I was looking for you. Alright. I'm Doug. Thank you you're a gentleman, thank you. Good afternoon. I have a real quick uh, um, message to mention. Guide Dog Users of Florida is selling raffle tickets for $5 a piece. The prize is reimbursement. Three Three, Sorry, thank you. Three for ten. And the prize is reimbursement for your hotel expenses. For two nights. For two nights. And that's the hotel plus the taxes. And I now have tickets, and Kathleen has tickets. Debbie, do you have tickets? No, don't. you don't. Okay, we do anyway. We do have then there are five dollars a piece, or three for ten. If you'll get a hold of one of us, we'd be happy to take your money. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you, thank you,
1: Doug. That's a big deal. I, I see Pat, Pat, Patricia. Patricia wants to make an announcement. Is it all right if I uh, yield for just a moment? <laughs> Sure. Sure, Patricia. Somebody's bringing it bring they're going to bring you a handheld mic. What'd you say? Oh, I it. Oh. Thank you. Um, I also
2: wanted to announce that CCTB is selling 50/50 raffle tickets, six for five dollars, and they're also good for door prizes.
3: So, um, Sherry Mullingraft is the one handling that. that, If anyone's interested, six for five for CCTB. Thank you.
1: All right, well, good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon, once again. This is Robert Doyle, and I am once again very, very pleased and thankful to be with you all on this weekend uh, to have an opportunity to give you some updates from the Division of Blind Services uh, and also. Uh, as I like to do, we want to make sure that we take some time to get your questions and uh, kind of get an understanding of the types of things that you may be experiencing or hearing out in the field, or things that I may be able to answer for you from from the side of the Division of Blind Services. So we certainly want to make sure we have some time uh, to to answer your questions as well. Uh, but the, being at these uh, these uh, conventions is is one of my favorite parts of this job, it really is. Uh, I've said this before, sometimes you get boggled down uh, in the state office behind the desk, uh, and sometimes you can lose track, and I tell our folks that work in the state office very often uh, that they really need to take an opportunity to get out sometimes and, and, and mingle with the consumers that we serve uh, because, so they can keep, tr- keep a touch on why we do what we do. Uh, Sometimes I think people can lose track of that, particularly if they haven't worked in the field and haven't had an opportunity to get out and meet with the consumer. So this is one of my favorite times uh, of the year. So uh, I have a a number of updates I'm going to give. I'm not sure how in-depth you all go in your legislative session, but I'll talk about our budget. I'll talk about some bills, uh, legislative bills that we've been tracking. Uh, We'll talk about um, uh, some activities that have been going on this year in celebration of the agency's 75th uh, anniversary uh... and uh, and we'll see what else comes up as we go along so um, let's start off with uh... talking about our budget uh... the legislature held an earlier session this year they usually start in march and this year they ended in march uh... if you all remember from last year um, the when the legislature came in session they they ended up adjourning earlier and had to come back in the summer to to work out the budget details Uh, This year, we had a budget in uh, in very early March, and our agency is aware of where we're moving forward into the next year. Uh, A couple things to highlight uh, in the budget. um, From from a staffing standpoint, uh, as part of the governor's uh, efficiencies, uh, the division will be ten positions leaner, uh, effective on July 1. What does that mean? We lost ten positions in our budget. Uh, It's equivalent of about uh, almost $500,000. Uh, fortunately, uh, we did not have to lay off anyone, uh, and uh, we, 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 we just didn't have to lay off anyone or uh, reduce the force that way. We were able to identify positions that have been vacant and use those vacant positions uh, as a way to meet that, uh, that, that government efficiency that the governor uh, has asked uh, all, or as far as I know, the majority of state agencies to do. Uh, other things to note within our budget, uh, most other things were funded uh, at level. There were some special uh, projects funded in the budget for various uh, programs around the state uh, with our various community rehab programs. Uh, one of those is the Lighthouse. Uh, for the blind and visually impaired, and Pasco Hernandez, there was a program they actually have been getting uh, $50,000 special appropriation the last two years. Uh, The the, uh, legislature gave them $100,000 this year, and our folks are working in the state office to help them to line up that contract for that program. I know that they've been working with um, um, uh, uh, programs with respect to Florida uh, and are working on some other programs to give people uh, employment skills within their organization. Uh, Miami Lighthouse received $150,000 once again For those who are in the Miami area, you can talk about that uh, senior group activity program. Uh, They're they're bringing people in, uh, providing transportation, they're providing meals, they're providing activities uh, for individuals that extend beyond the independent living and the older blind program. It's a really good program. Uh, I I know that the contract calls for them serving uh, 90 unduplicated individuals throughout the year, but I'm pretty sure they're serving about 150 people throughout the year, and it's a really, really good program, Uh, and it was funded again by the legislature. Thank mm-hmm. Also, the Lighthouse of Central Florida uh, received $125,000 this year, brand new money, uh, for a program where they are working to um, expand their work in terms of employing people. Uh, so they're going to bring in some, some folks that are going to do some, some, some data-related activities. They're going to upgrade some equipment. Um, the Lighthouse Works program has been working to employ people in the call center setting through the uh, Lighthouse of Central Florida. It's through their special program. And so they received $125,000. This year for that project. And also, we talked about uh, last time that I was here uh, that there was uh, uh, the Florida Association of Agencies Serving the Blind, uh, which uh, represents the uh, community rehab programs. Uh, Had uh, worked with the legislature to get last year was a million dollars for a new program for children uh, ages 6 through 13, and uh, those funds were appropriated uh, in uh, I think it was June or July. By the time the funds were finally appropriated, we put a contract together that started, I believe, in early January. Uh, And so they've been working since then throughout the lighthouses across the state, uh, bringing in children in after school activity programs. There will also be programs for children that will uh, run over the summertime that uh, will bring children in and, and they will have an opportunity to engage with one another, to uh, uh, strengthen the, uh, and augment the, the skills that they're learning in the school system. Uh, and we're expecting that that's going to be a really good program. It really helps to meet a need or a gap that we've talked about over the last few years in services for children. Uh, speaking of that, uh, the way that the, the program ended up rolling out, uh, it's going to give us an opportunity to have children's camps uh... throughout this summer and into next summer as well which is something that we really haven't had before it's not going to be a residential camp but it's going to be students that are spending time um, uh, throughout the week over the summer time with the various community rehab programs and the various lighthouses uh... in order to have some engaging activities we've also been working with and uh, your your, your own Paul Edwards uh, has been working with us through our direct service organization to to try to see if we can uh, develop another children's camp and we've been having some discussions about whether that will compete with the ones that are happening with the CRP's Uh, but from the conversation we had a little bit earlier this week uh, our, our folks are committed to identifying a way to make sure that we're able to have a camp that not only has fun and engaging activities for children But also that will bring parents together so that parents can get some educational, uh, aspects, uh, for, uh, for working with their children who are visually, who are blind and visually impaired. And so that actual camp, uh, we're expecting will be next year, uh, where we will get that off the ground. Other things that we have been working on, uh, we talked about, I believe last year, uh, a new law called the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act. Uh, and that law has a tremendous impact on how we provide services uh, for people who are seeking transition services in this state, and as you're talking about school-age youth and people who are receiving adult services. One of the things with that program is that it tells us, I think I mentioned this last year, we have to set aside 15 percent of the dollars we get from the feds for employment services and and, and make them available for school-age youth uh, with disabilities and uh we have been spending i think about 30% of our dollars on uh on youth activities uh, before actually that's nationally what what state agencies has been spending uh and so when when the fed said hey 15% we said hey no big deal we can do that but what happened is the way they define the categories are so specific uh on what you can use the dollars for uh that it will have an impact over time on adult services and so the division uh, we're waiting on um, uh, final regulations from the federal government so that we are able to determine what we need to do to make sure that we're able to not only meet the mandates of the federal law for transition age use, which we're very excited about having a focus on that end, uh, and, but, but also to make sure that we have dollars available for adults. I'm very pleased to tell you that. Uh, through the transition programs that we've had in Florida uh, over the last number of years, uh, going back to however far it's gone, uh, Florida has been a leader uh, in terms of transition services, and we were able to simply convert our transition contracts into pre-employment transition services contracts, uh, and we'll be able to meet most of the requirements of the law using those contracts. And so our community rehab programs who have transition programs, uh, they are working to make sure that students get a couple hundred hours a year uh, of, 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 of services both during the school year as well as in the summer. And it's a, a, a much more uh, stronger program, and, and, we're, and students are getting more services through the way that the, 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 uh, the contracts have been uh, worked with, with the CRPs, and, and more students are getting services through that program. But it will, ha- again, have an impact on services down the road. And so we'll have to look at our policies. We'll have to look at how we stretch the resources. Uh, ultimately, again, we have to get those final regulations, which you're expecting towards the end of June or the end of June, uh, and then we'll know how we have to move forward from that. We've talked about before that the division is working very closely with other core programs, uh, uh, vocational rehab, the division of vocational rehab. Uh, we have a new memorandum of understanding with them on how we will work with clients who have multiple disabilities and how we will work together to make sure that, 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 that consumers are not being spun around and says, oh, no, go to DBS, or oh, no, go to VR, uh, and lost somewhere in the loop. You know, we're asking folks when they come in and if they have multiple disabilities, uh, that they will allow us to work with VR so that we can get more services uh, for those individuals and that we're able to work together to staff uh, uh, the, the, the service needs of those individuals so that, uh, again, we can come up with better outcomes uh, for individuals that have multiple disabilities. And we're also working more closely with uh, the Division of Career and Adult Education, which is housed in our department as well, Department of Education, uh, to make sure that uh, I talked about and threw this out to the Rehab Council we just met a few days ago, uh, looking at career pathways, where um, that, that's housed through the Division of Career and Adult Education, where if a person comes to the agency and says, hey, I want to be a nurse, you know, we're helping them to identify where nursing jobs are in the state. And 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 if if the if the the organizations that are hiring nurses aren't interested in people who have bachelors in nursing, then we can say, okay, this program, this 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 employer, the majority of the employers here, they're looking for people with a certificate in nursing. So rather than us having you out of the workforce for uh, for four years while you go to college to get uh, to get that uh, bachelor's uh, of, of science and nursing degree, we can help you get a certificate in nursing, help you start making money sooner and then also help you along the way to to further your education to get that next certificate and also to get that bachelor's degree to help you to get to to where you want to go so the idea behind this new law is that we're getting people into the marketplace quicker that we're working closer with other entities that are part of the Workforce Act. Uh, We're working closer with Career Source and we've been having discussions with Career Source about making sure that centers are accessible, making sure that DBS has a way to either uh, have appointments at the Career Source locations or that we have office hours at the Career Source locations or that we have a staff person that is uh, uh, located at a Career Source so that when people come in and they have blindness or visual impairment that we're able to make sure that we're full able to meet their needs we've talked to them about being able to to have shared resources within um, their the uh, employee Florida marketplace system which has i mean which is a great tool for folks who are looking for jobs it is a great tool uh, but how how um, DBS may have an opportunity to have access to that system so that if our clients are going in and we're saying, hey, go in and fill out a profile, we're able also to see what jobs they've applied for, which businesses are responding to them, who've contacted them for an application. So again, it's all about bringing more resources uh, to people with disabilities uh, and for me again my focus being on individuals who are blind and visually impaired and so we're really excited about the partnership obviously there's going to be some bumps in the road as we go along Uh, myself the director of vocational rehab the director or the chancellor for a career in adult education we meet with the uh, the president of career source Florida about once a month we have them scheduled every other week but sometimes we end up rescheduling them and we also have a seat at the table on the state workforce boards And that's really exciting because we have an opportunity. We don't have a vote there, but we have an opportunity to be at that table to talk about what's going on, to discuss challenges and things that are happening within the system. Uh, one of the things we talked about when we met with them and we met with the folks with Employer Florida Marketplace is, you know, when you go and log in on the, on the website, you know, at the very top there's a place that, uh, that you can, you can click if you want Spanish. But if, you, if, you're, if you're blind, uh, it's all the way at the bottom of the page. And you've got to do a whole lot of tabbing through JAWS in order to find a place for people who, uh, to, to, to have the accessible site for people who are blind and have low vision. And so we've had some discussions with them about moving it up in the system. And we've had other discussions about accessibility, uh, uh, both on the website, but also accessibility within the local centers. And so we're really excited about that. We're also working with them to develop local memorandums of, of understanding to talk about how our district administrators and our VR supervisors will work with the career source locations again to open up other opportunities for people who are blind to access those systems. A couple other things that are going on uh, some of you may have known and and, and a lot of this is uh, uh, because of a lack of immediate uh, resources uh, too, because, you know, we are a state entity in the state government. Sometimes uh, things have to, you have to go through a variety of things, but we had a flood in our Tampa location last year, uh, and we've been trying to work to get that uh, location open again, uh, and so we did get some insurance money, which was about, I'm going to say roughly about uh, a third to 40 percent of what we need to reopen the location. Uh, We're working on putting a bid out uh, for, uh, uh, for an entity to come in and redo the work, and after we do that bid, we We're going to either have to go back to the legislature and ask for a budget amendment or use some other funds in order to actually we are very, very glad about uh, probably about three weeks ago uh, we uh, received word back from the feds that if as long as we – Cross all of our uh, 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 T's and dot all of our eyes that we may be able to use some of our federal dollars in order to reopen that location, and then also if we need to go back to the legislature. So we're hoping that within the next month or so a bit will go out, uh, and that folks will be in towards the end of the year able to go back and begin to get the work going in Tampa. So that hopefully uh, either at the end of this year or early next year we'll be able to reopen our Tampa location uh, for folks to be able to access that that location. Uh, Tampa is uh, the place where. D- CBS was born, uh, so to speak, in this state, uh, and uh, where we had our first office. It used to be our first statewide open office, and so we're looking forward to, to that moving moving along. And so, again, very glad that RSA has given us uh, permission to line things up the right way, so we can get that reopened. Some of you may have heard, and I, and I apologize for those who are directly in the loop because I know a number of folks here are in the loop of things that have, have been going on. Either folks sit on our councils or they're hearing from uh, direct members of the council, um, uh, either Mikey or Paul or other folks, um, or our Reverend Brooks, who I see just came in the room. Uh, but we have worked Collect. Uh oh, sorry. I didn't mean to put you out there, uh, uh, <laughs> Reverend Books. But uh, I didn't. I promise I didn't. And I was not getting back from yesterday. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but but maybe you may have heard from them. But we we've been working to strengthen our programs. You know, we're we're, we're you want to make sure that we have access to services and quality programs uh... throughout the state and and you know for the almost three years that i've been here we've been working very closely with the community rehab programs and working on strengthening the contracts and strengthening the services you know but we've also got to make sure that we're we're doing things right in our house as well and so uh... we have over the last couple of years been working on ways identifying ways to strengthen our rehab center and make sure that we've got viable programming at the rehab center uh... not just for independent living but a strong program for uh, people who are interested in employment and so we work with Dr. Karen Wolf, uh, who's renowned in the field of vision. Uh, she uh, worked with us to develop what we call a pre-employment program, which is a structured learning program uh, designed to specifically address employability needs for people, again, that are blind and visually impaired. Um, and what the, 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 the aim of the program is is to make sure that, um, that, that folks are kind of going to a boot, a boot camp, so to speak, and folks are gonna get uh, who have not been working uh will have an opportunity to get used to five days a week, getting up, getting dressed for work, and learning uh tangible skills uh that will help them to be just about ready for employment when they leave the rehab center. Uh and we're looking to have that program begin uh at the rehab center. So the goals are to stimulate the work environment, as I mentioned with the five uh five day a week program to, divide, to, to to develop and refine people's soft skills to document people's uh, uh, capabilities to determine how to get rid of any deficiencies and help them to overcome any deficiencies also to demonstrate disability specific learn skills throughout the program to evaluate the individual's overall work readiness and then to uh, meet role models and establish an action plan for when folks go back to the districts and go back to the community rehab programs there so again it's a boot camp and uh, we initially had planned to start the first uh, cohort at the rehab center uh, in April and we realized we were probably moving a little bit too fast for that. And so what we decided is that the first cohort of the program uh, for adults will begin on, uh, I believe it's June 11th. It will go through the end of July. Uh, and then on in um, and, and July, uh, we're going to have a group of 18 to 24-year-olds that will come in and receive services. We have worked specifically to make sure that we're not... Duplicating services uh, to those who are receiving services through the CRPs or our contractors. Uh, There could be some instances where there might be because someone either through choice or other mechanisms, but we've been working very hard to make sure that we're not duplicating those services or creating any conflicts there. And we've also talked about trying to develop a program for next year that will work with people who are ages 14 uh, through 17. Uh, there was a number of uh, laws passed this year, as I mentioned, um, the, the one relating to that new law that I talked about on the federal side to line up the Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act in the state of Florida, and that was House Bill 7040. I uh, don't need to spend too much time talking about that. There was a very significant bill that rolled into one bill, a lot of the bills that, that didn't get passed last year, and it was House Bill 7003. House Bill seven zero zero three. I, I I mentioned the bill a couple times this weekend, but didn't remember the specific name. That bill does a couple things. It it uh, puts into law uh, the Employment First Act. And what Employment First says is that this the state of Florida uh, for people with disabilities, our first choice is to help people to get to work. And so if somebody comes to us and says, "Hey, you know, I don't want to go to work. I just want to be, you know, I just want to be at home, and I just want services to be at home." And if folks are within the employment range, we're going to ask some questions and we're going to try to determine whether the individual uh might be interested in going to work. Maybe they didn't know it was a possibility for them. Maybe they had you know had uh, uh did not have success in the past. But the first thing is that all the entities that work with people with disabilities are gonna to work to try to see if we can help get them into a job. And then if the individual does not want to go to work or for some reason that is not an option, then we will look at uh, uh, slotting them in through our independent living programs or our older blind programs. So that was the first thing that law did. Another significant thing that law did is it added to the affirmative action uh, policy of the state of Florida that people with disabilities would be a, a focus for state agencies to hire And so what does that mean? That means that the state of Florida will now have a focus, and state agencies will have to develop a focus and a specific action plan of how to get more people with disabilities jobs working for the state of Florida. And again, I'm really excited about that. Uh, because we have not had that direct focus before. Our, the governor had instituted uh, the Governor's Commission for Employment of People with Disabilities a number of years ago, and there's a number of things that came out of that initiative, but now it's part of the Affirmative Action Plan. And so we will be working with Department of uh, Management Services, we'll be working with VR, we'll be working with the Development of Disabilities Council, and a n- number of other entities to develop a way to help state agencies to, to recruit attract retain individuals who have disabilities and i'm really excited about that i'm really excited about that for a couple of reasons one is it it opens up doors that may have been closed before it puts an idea in people's mind that that hey we need to be working with people with disabilities uh... and and dbs uh... last year we reached employment outcomes and i was uh... uh, we had this meeting uh... before we closed the year out uh... but we reached a level of employment outcomes that we had not reached and uh, ten years in our agency, and we're on track to do that again this year. So we're really excited about that. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> uh, we're really excited about that. But I think that through this uh, this act it's going to open up more doors and you're going to have more people in state agencies because they're going to want to f- fill those needs and we're going to be working through employee florida marketplace we'll be working through the, devotion, the division of vocation rehabs online portal and we will be working through the talent acquisition portal as well as ways to help identify people that law also creates a financial literacy program within the department of financial services for individuals uh, with developmental disabilities and so people who are blind and also have development disabilities will also be able to tap into that and then it also creates Uh, unique uh, abilities partners program with the Department of Economic Opportunity that basically will recognize businesses that have practices that uh, towards helping people or hiring people or focus on people with disabilities and again that's exciting because when businesses uh, see other businesses will see that other businesses are doing that and it will make them interested in also uh, being able to have that designation There's a couple other great things that are happening in our state this year. Uh, The United States Business Leadership Network, and I don't have the dates, and if you guys need the dates, uh, I'll send them out to to someone here. Uh, But the USBLN uh which is an entity of businesses that talk with other businesses and talk to those businesses about hiring people uh with disabilities we'll be hosting a conference here uh in Florida it's either in August or September that's exciting because we're bringing that to our state also for those who didn't know uh the World Blind Union we will be holding a conference in the state of Florida this year. And we are gonna be working with them to help identify volunteers. Uh, we'll be having a table there. I know they're soliciting uh, folks who want to sponsor, uh, do a sponsorship for the World Blind Union, but that's a, this is the first time the World Blind Union is meeting in the United States. And that's pretty exciting. And so our agency is looking at what level we might be able to uh, put some information in their brochures and pamphlets, uh, again to help f- identify volunteers. If you all know of uh, some volunteer folks, uh, that would be great if you can let me know because I'm supposed to be working with uh, uh, the woman in uh, Louisiana. I think it's her, her name is Pam Allen uh, to help identify volunteers as well. So that's pretty exciting. Also, there was a bill, Senate Bill 672, that was created for educational options. Creates a process for uh, post-secondary opportunities to award financial incentives to school districts and charter schools uh, to implement uniform practice for people who are ages, uh, who are K-12. And then also there was, I think I might have talked about this last year. Paul talked about it a little bit last night. Um, because of the uh, uh, Division of Oak Rehab, a couple years ago they had to go to the legislature and say uh, we need uh, about $20 million, $24 million 24000000 dollars uh, and I think it created uh, more attention on the division. And so there was a bill that was introduced last year. It didn't go fa- past last year, but it did pass this year, that sets some specific measurable uh, uh, outcomes for the vocational rehab program at the Division of Vocal Rehab. And so that bill passed this year, and there's some very specific things that are in that bill. Uh, it applies to DVR. Uh, but we'll be watching those things as well and watching the accountability measures and looking at uh, to make sure that we're also on track with uh, increasing the outcomes as that bill requires. There was also uh, an education program that was that amended the John McKay scholarship program uh, to allow certain students to earn credit and a transition to work program. We are going to be working with next year. I know one of the things that we're working with, um, uh, hoping to introduce legislation, that um, sometimes when we go to work with a business and we say, hey, uh, we have an individual that we'd like you to create a work experience for them or create a, a, a um, we'll just say a work experience. Sometimes those businesses are coming back to us and says, well, uh, we need liability insurance. And, and the division has tried little makeshift ways in the past to say, hey, don't worry about it. If something happens, we got you covered. Uh, <laughs> and those businesses are saying, well, that's just not enough. And so um, um, we have uh, asked several times with a legal uh, for a way to, 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 to satisfy or help those businesses to know that they don't have to be concerned about that. Uh, and so uh, what we've done, what we're working on this year is working on a legislative amendment Uh, Because the state has sovereign immunity and the state, if we purchase insurance, is giving up its sovereign immunity uh, in those areas. But we're working with uh, um, a number of entities to develop legislation that will say that if a person is receiving services to DBS or DVR, that that person will be considered an employee of the state for the purposes of liability. And so that creates a, a, a safe haven, so to speak, for those businesses, and we're really hopeful that we're able to get that, that passed. Source already has that type of exemption, uh, and we're looking for that same exemption because it will give us an opportunity to, uh, to, to get more people into work experiences. All right, so I'm going to hit a couple other things, and I want to take some questions. Uh, I talked to the Rehab Council a little bit earlier this week. One of the things that we're really excited about Is uh, that we have created an online application. Thank you, Patricia. (laughs) Thank you, Paul. I I saw his hands back there as well. I'm really excited about that uh, because it, it creates greater access for individuals to go on and apply for services through DBS. Uh, individuals who have access to a computer uh, will be able to go online and create their own application. Mom, uh, a dad, others in the field uh, in, 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 in that, that are interested in for their children or for other folks who want to apply for services, we'll be able to do that. So it creates a self-portal for, for individuals to apply for services. What happens is staff, uh, once the application is created, will get a notification. And then a reminder will go to that staff every seven days to make sure that this, the application is moving along. It creates an e-signature, so, which is really good because slow, it, it, uh, it, it helps speeds along the process because now people can sign online and have to, uh, the division at some point, we haven't eliminated, completely eliminated it, but we're hoping to move forward where we're able to eliminate the maintaining of those hard copy files. It seamlessly integrates into our aware case management system it has help screens and navigation aids for training. It's accessible. Uh, it creates efficiency. And as I mentioned, it reduces the time process to process an application. Uh, and, and, and I was talking to folks who created the application for us in the agency. They said, usually when you create an online application, you usually don't expect to get 20 or 30 applications in the first few months. But since that application, went, that, that system went online on, on January 29th, and again, we've had a few hiccups, a couple adjustments we had to make along the way. We had 340 people who've applied for services online. So we're really excited about that. Of that 340, we have 46 that were pending as of uh, last week when this data came to me. 294 of those applications have been processed. And 211 of those applications have actually resulted in new cases for services through the agency. And so I think that's, again, a really good news um, uh, for the agency. Uh, Patricia, I see you have your hand up. I know Cassandra, if you want to get her the microphone. She's coming to you. Okay. Okay. Okay, Patricia. so so we'll take this quick question and then we'll finish up and then and then we'll take other questions from the floor. And I think Patricia said she had a comment she wanted to make.
3: I'm coming, Miss Patricia. Nope. Oh.
1: Okay,
2: um, Mike Ulrich. I don't believe is in the room, but he and he wanted me to tell you on his behalf that he filled out the application
1: online recently for services and he wanted to commend you and DBS because in his words it was a piece of cake and those are his words he said it was very simple and very easy and he wanted me to convey that to you that you guys did a wonderful job with that online application thank you so much that makes my heart happy it really does because that's really what we were working to do And I've been talking about it for a while. And finally, we had to put it in performance expectations. (laughs) And so it got done. Uh, And uh, it got done. But uh, we we do have a great MIS team and they work really hard on a number of things. I've, I've talked about to the Rehab Council, they've created dashboards so that our teams are able to go online and see which, how fast applications are moving. Uh, they're able to compare how they're doing to other people in the state, and it creates a little competition to help cases move along and help people get to employment. So, so of the 340 applications, six of those went to the Blind Babies app- Program, 24 went to the New Children's Program, 90 went to Independent Living, 137 went to VR or employment programs and 25 went to transition services so again we are creating accessibility and one of the other things I want to say we're getting calls from other state agencies not just in Florida but outside of the state of Florida wanting to know how we did what we did and so we're really excited about that Um, a couple other things that I I mentioned to uh, rehab council the highest request of services in addition to those programs I mentioned was for assistive technology employment services and then there's an other services category, but then also orientation and mobility, and then home and personal management. So not only are people able to say, this is a program I wanna go in, but these are the services that we think we're most interested in receiving through the agency. Uh, Across the state, uh, district uh, number three, uh, which is this district here in Jacksonville, received the most applications, uh, followed by district nine, which is the Fort Myers area, and then followed by district one, uh, which is um, which is over in the Panama City, Pensacola area in terms of applications. But all across the state, we receive applications. And I look, I'm looking at my data here. We even had one person apply for DBS services from out of state. So, uh, so yeah, aw. so maybe maybe maybe, maybe we we'll can bring them to the great state of Florida. All right. So um, of those cases that that we did not did not convert into applications, the reasons were we weren't able to contact the client, they withdrew the case. Or they were looking for services that we did not provide, or there was a there was a glitch initially in the system when applications was initially coming in. What people would do is the staff would see the application, and they would close out the referral application and open up another case on the other side, and so that created some discrepancies in the data initially. But but that has been resolved. One thing I want to mention in terms of unable to contact clients, and specifically for this district. The new law, and I, and I hope I'm not talking too long, and I hope the information is not putting you to sleep, and I hope it's useful. <laughs> I see some folks are, you know, uh, yawning and that kind of thing, but, 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 um, <laughs> you know, one of the number one reasons why cases close in the agency when people apply is that we can't reach them. They say, hey, I want services, and we get some initial information, and we can't reach them. And part of the new law says, you know, hey, you got to work with these other systems, and so... The feds were working with this group uh, that has this application called SARA, I believe it's S-A-R-A, and this local career source here in Jacksonville has already been using it. One of the things the law says is we've got to work on a way of doing common intake. So what happens is somebody comes to DBS and says, hey, I want services. Well, what happens is sometimes they may already be getting services at vr and we don't know it they may be getting services at career source and we don't know it or they may be getting services through the uh uh, dislocated worker program and other and we don't know it and so this common intake idea is that we're able to uh to see well they're getting services folks are getting services in other elements of the system how can we create some synergy with one another to help to get the person to employment a lot quicker and, and so we're really excited that that's going to create, but we're also concerned is now they're going to say, hey, let's take DBS's Aware program and lump it into this new mega, you know, trillion-dollar system. We don't want that. We don't want – our system is accessible for, for our users. It does what we need it to do. And so this new SARA system, they approached us and said, hey – this system is able to draw information from the different components where people may be receiving services and then, and then able to create and generate the reports that the feds are asking for and may also give you an opportunity to, uh, to, to, to court help coordinate people's services. Not only that, but if a person is getting services through DBS and we see that they're eligible for services under Title I and we can coordinate those services, now we're able to say, hey, we want you to get these serve, this portion of services from the Title I portion of the program. They'll pay for it, and now we have more funds through DBS to be able to t- meet those AT needs, assistive technology, or other needs. So, again, it's a great opportunity as we maintain a separate agency for the blind, but to coordinate with other elements of the workforce system. And so, but not only that, but this new system that we're hoping, we haven't bought it yet or bought into it completely yet. That we're hoping to adopt is is it, it has a I don't know how many of you all have uh maybe have a doctor and you may get a text message from the doctor that says hey remember you have an appointment Tuesday at one o'clock anybody get that and then you're able to push a Y on the system and says yes I'm going to be there or in I won't be there well well this new system is designed so that uh, when when a person if they when they apply for services if we have their cell phone number and they opt in. We're able to send reminders for messages. The person is able to communicate and, 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 and have updates about, you know, hey, did you make it to your appointment with, 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 uh, with CareerSource today? And able to send, send, put a Y in there that worked. How did it go? And able to use that direct communication from their mobile device to communicate back. And then that information goes into the case management system, which means that there's less time that the counselor's gotta use entering case notes and then that counselor is able to spend more of their time doing counseling and guidance and coordination. And I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited about that. Now, again, we've got to work through some things, and we've got to see if we can get it working, and we've got to, you know, we're hoping to pilot it here in the Jacksonville region because that's where Source is already using it. But if we're able, if this is a success, I think we're going to create some more efficiency across the state, I think we're going to create more direct interaction between the counselors and, the, and our clients. I think that we're going to create, put, put ourselves in a position where we're able to help more people to get to working sooner. So I'm really excited about that. Okay, I'm going to just uh, see if i got a f- other quick op- updates, and then I'm going to get out of the way. Uh, I mentioned a memorandum of understanding with VR, so I don't need to talk about that. One of the things that I'm really pleased about, we didn't get a chance to talk to talk this about at our last Rehab Council meeting, um, but uh, we talked very briefly is that One thing I'm pleased about across the state is that our number of people who are going to, um, uh, what do you call that, uh, uh, client assistance services are going to ask for uh, hearings because they're not satisfied with DBS. Over the last few years, we've seen a drop in the number of folks that are applying, that are, that are asking for appeals and those kind of things. And I'm, I'm, Because I think it means that we're working to resolve conflicts at the district level where we can, and then we also, when I came on board, we promoted Walter Blackman, uh, and, and we promoted him so that he's able to do more with client resolution so that we're able to resolve issues and conflicts before they get to the point where somebody's got to go to and do an appeal. And then what we're finding is that where we have had appeals and where we have had hearings, uh, we the division, uh, and again, I don't want to say this in a way that, that doesn't Appear to be consumer friendly, but 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 what what they found is that in every case that we did the right thing, that we that we applied our policies and procedures the right way, and so those things are not being overturned. So which, what it means is that that we're we're trying to do the right things at the right times in the right places. For our consumers. So I'm really excited about that. The very last thing, and I'm going to take questions, is that this year DBS is celebrating its 75th anniversary. Some of y'all have heard that already. Uh, we had uh, Carl McCoy, uh, we had our, our Robert Kelly, and I'm just uh, a number of folks that are, Patricia uh, was, was there as well, with Cassandra and other folks. We had our first kickoff event at the Rehab Center in Daytona uh, a few weeks ago it was a very successful event some folks told me we had almost two hundred people or upward to two hundred people at the event we had workshops we had businesses there we had clients pass and, uh, and, uh, and and present uh... again carl was there he he spoke we had the folks from the lions club and 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 what this has given us an ch- opportunity to do is to brag about the services that we pr- provide the consumer organizations that we work with the contractors that deliver those direct services and and the Lions Club and all of those other things that to again get people aware of DBS and what we're doing across the state. We created a Success 75, uh, uh, which is an award program that will recognize businesses, advocates, consumers, and employees, past and present, and they can, folks can nominate individuals, and people will be recognized as we do other events throughout the state uh, throughout this next year. And so we've kicked kicked off a year-long celebration. Uh, The last week of July, we'll be in Fort Myers. We'll be working with the rehab center, I mean, with the rehab council uh, and the local office and the local CRPs, and we'll be doing another event for folks who are in that area I want to encourage you all to go to DBS's website if you know an advocate you know a CRP you know a consumer you know an employee that's doing a great job please nominate them please nominate them we will take those nominations we will award folks will receive a medallion uh, for the 75th anniversary in recognition uh, uh, for services that that they have provided through uh, for people who are blind and visually impaired and with that I'm going to stop talking and uh, we're going to take some questions (laughs) <laughs> she said no. Cassandra said I, she has it, but we have a question all the way
3: in the back to the right. Okay, I'm going to ask you, like we did this morning, to stand so I can see. Thank you. You're so sweet. I love you. I see. <laughs> Sheila? Yes,
2: darling. Thank you. Good afternoon, Mr. Doyle. How are you? It's Sheila really Young from Sheila. Orlando. Um, my question to you is, I work in the Orange County school system in the elementary school. Our visually impaired and blind children cannot access the MAP testing, cannot access the iReady, cannot access the FSA testing, et cetera, et cetera. What does DBS and the division uh, the We're of the department
1: They're having trouble
2: hearing you, Sheila. <clears throat> but what, I know
1: you said people can't access the testing.
2: Correct. It is not accessible with any screen readers, whether it's map testing for the kindergartners, whether it's iReady, whether it's the FSA testing, anything on the computers is not accessible. What do they plan to do about that?
1: So Sheila, unfortunately, I can't directly answer that question. Uh, I do know that folks in the um, I, I do know that folks um, in, the, in the department uh, we've had some discussions about accessibility and rollouts. I know the districts have kind of like an autonomy, so to speak, on how they administer services. Uh, many of you may know Leanne Grilla, uh, who's actually taken a promotion, but there's a new young lady, um, I'm trying to remember her last name, but Vicki, that works with the Bureau of Exceptional Education Student Services that if there is that type of issue, I would be surprised if they didn't know it. But But if you would follow up with me, or I can follow up with you, uh, we can get that information to Vicki, and then we can reach out to that district and try to figure out what the issue is and what the plan is on resolving that. On the resolving that. And I didn't hear what the district was. Uh, Orange County, in Orange County. So uh, we, we can follow And if you wouldn't mind following up with an email with me as well, uh, but we will get with Vicky and see what we can find out what the plan is over in that area to, to move things along to make sure that folks are able to uh, access the testing. You're welcome. Any other questions? Uh, uh, Cassandra, in the second to last row toward the wall. So you just uh, just go straight. And then there's a question up front after that. I
3: see ya. I didn't Thank miss you. I did time. You. Thank you.
2: My name is Linda Jones. I am the former uh, coordinator for the Vision Rehabilitation Therapy Program at Florida State University. I have two questions. In light of all that's been shared today, and there's been a lot, um, because of my background and my concern about quality education and what quality services and quality staff that the Rehabilitation Act speaks of, um, and knowing that many programs across the country have closed, just as the one at Florida State has closed a number of years ago, I'm curious as to what the division, um, if the division has uh, some rigorous training plans for both the CRPs as well as the staff to um, bring the staff up to certification qualifications, uh, both from the vision rehabilitation therapy standpoint, but also from the standpoint of VR counselors. Um, I do know that nationwide there are really only two schools that provide VRC training in blindness, and that many people graduate with VRC counseling degrees and know virtually nothing about blindness and often do not receive training when they go to work for a blindness agency. So that's question number one. The second question, and kind of goes with, again, with all that you've shared and the comment about you had an application from outside the state of Florida, Um, what is the policy of the agency uh, regarding informed choice, um, as the Rehab Act states it, would we reciprocate if to another state like this applicant has, has uh, done with us? So those are my two questions.
1: Oh yeah, you guys are asking tough questions today. (laughs) I should should have brought my team. (laughs) Um, So to to your first question, um, I'm I'm in agreement with you and I am concerned about the number of programs that are shutting down nationwide uh, with um, uh, uh, vision-specific training. I I really am concerned about that. Um, And uh, I've had some discussions with folks on the national level about that. I've actually had some uh, indirectly some conversations with folks at Hadley about about that as well because I know that they also uh, are developing programs in that area. Uh, we, in terms of training, um, both one one of the things I want to mention is that from the um, direct service side of things, uh, those direct services outside of what's happening at the rehab center are done through our contractor providers, your lighthouses, uh, and we have a couple of levels of agreement with those with those lighthouses and those CRPs of, of credentialing requirements. Number one is the only agency side. Uh, is we require that they have uh, a credential from a national organization, uh, uh, National Accreditation Council. Uh, there's also the CARF accreditation, which is available. But all our folks have chosen the uh, NAC accreditation, uh, which is the only uh, entity that does uh, blindness and low vision accreditation on the organization side. And I know there's been some that have come and said, "Hey, we don't like NAC. Get rid of NAC." And and my position is is that We've got to have something in terms of standards for people who are blind and visually impaired and 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 that is, is is what we have, and unless and until something else comes along, that's what we we will keep. And so that that's one thing. Uh, the The other thing is that we require that the providers have a certain uh, level of staff. That are uh, vision specific uh, credentials or training, or be on their way towards that vision specific credentials or training. Uh, And so everything from orientation mobility uh, uh, to um, uh, 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 vision rehab uh, therapists and other things like that, we have that requirement. And if there's some reason why they don't have that, let's say, for example, because a staff person left, uh, then we need to go through a process to make sure they identify individuals that can do the work or have a plan to bring those people back on board. Uh, We as uh, traditionally get information from around the nation where there is some special program, and we try to forward that out to our staff. We do have mechanisms for folks who want to get the VR VRC uh, credentials where uh, we are providing uh, for the books and materials and, and allowing them to receive uh, additional training. And then also once they receive that uh, VRC credential or they're eligible for that, uh, then they also get a raise. And so, but but again, I understand the need for, for vision specific. Um, I think that there is a challenge nationwide and we've got to find a way to, to, to make sure that that, that doesn't... Completely get lost, and I think it's going to take um, uh, more than what I can do or what the state of Florida can do. I think, although we are leaders in many areas, and I and I don't mind bragging about that, Florida Florida Blind Services is leaders in many areas uh, uh, in blindness re- uh, uh, rehabilitation. That's one of the areas that we're going to need some help. We're going to need some funding. We're going to need some folks who uh, don't just want to talk about it, but want to really roll up the sleeves to help identify ways to to meet the needs. Uh, one thing.
0: I thought it was
1: somebody up here. It, yeah, there is a question up here as well.
0: Could Two I make one
2: recommendation regarding that, sir? Yes. Um, from the from the counselor perspective, um, one comment. They usually get one course in blindness throughout their whole training. But um, – I've been removed from Texas for about 20 years, but when I worked in Texas, Texas did a terrific job of training their VR counselors in blindness, and they may still be doing that kind of thing, so you might, if you haven't already contacted them, that might be an avenue for you.
1: Okay. I I will... I will uh, make a note of that. I'll go back and see. I know folks are, are getting some training, but I'll go back and, and look at what the full slew of training is for our folks in blindness, uh, and we'll, we will make sure that we've got a, a sharp process there. The other thing of policy and inform, informed choice, informed choice is still a law it is still the law and so if we've got somebody who wants to come to the state of Florida uh, we're going to work with other agencies to do that if we have somebody who wants to go outside of the state of Florida which I think is one of the questions that you've asked me uh, informed choice still comes into play but we also are trying to look at resources and we look at what's available within the state before we send someone outside the state and if those resources are available through the CRP or through a rehab center uh, or other means and we're gonna and 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 they're substantially similar to what's available outside of the state we're going to generally lean towards inside of the state uh, because because of the limited resources.
0: One more question. Up here. We got, got,
3: I'm here. Actually got two here uh, hello, Mr. Doyle. Uh, my name is Gary Devers. I went to the BBE program. And I, and
1: I, if, can you speak a little, little yeah. louder?
3: Yeah, I went to the BBE program
1: in yes, sir. Daytona. Yes, sir. And
3: I have some issues with uh, the BBE program at the moment. I need some help with it. Um, they Some serious issues. I'd like to speak to you one-on-one about it. Okay. If possible?
1: Can and can you give me your name again, and we can follow up with each my other. My name is Gary. Gary.
3: Last name is Devers. D E A, V is in Victor. E R S.
1: So give give it to me one more because the microphone is not.
3: D E A, V is in Victor. E R S. Okay. Yeah.
1: Got it. I'm making notes up here.
3: Do you need my phone number or my email or anything?
1: Sure. I mean, if you want everybody to have it, I don't uh, want you. Well, to get I'll give it to you one on one after, Phone calls. After, 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 <laughs> I'll give it to you afterwards.
3: <laughs> All right. Well, you Thank you, me, sir.
1: All right, and then we'll do one more question. One more oh, question. Uh, I got you. I'm coming to president. When we have gentlemen at the front, and then uh, I'll get out of y'all's way.
3: Yeah, I'm Eugene Bagley from Pinellas Council, of the Blind. Question: uh, I know you were asking about the. You were saying about the different uh, lighthouses that were getting money and everything, but I noticed you didn't notice the Pinellas count or the Pinellas lighthouse. Is there a reason that they didn't get any funding or?
1: I don't because, know if somebody can help me with that one.
3: Yeah, because you said there was Pasco and Hernando, and oh, so
1: yeah, so so they still got their regular dollars, whatever they would normally get, but those specific entities that I mentioned, they went and got a special appropriation from the legislature. So they went and talked to the legislature and presented a spe- special program, and it was funded.
3: Okay, so so evidently they didn't have any special programs that needed funding then.
1: I, I'm I would I would assume that that's the case. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Well, thank you all so much for your time. I'm to turn it back over to your president. Thank you so much.
0: We are blessed. Uh, I, I have never been so excited with a progress report uh, as I have with this one. It sounds like uh, Robert Doyle has really... Moved the agency forward in some very positive directions. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. Uh, with, that, uh, we're gonna, uh, with that, we're going to with that, we're going to call this with, we, we have a door prize. Sandra
3: to All right. this one's gonna be pretty easy I'm going to uh, I'm going Jim is gonna have a number in his head I'm gonna tell it to him sort of kinda of. and whoever gets it gets this door prize it is from Miami it's twenty-five dollars and it says um what well, says cash. I wonder what that means. <laughs> so i do this. So Jim Jim's gonna be able to verify that that so just hollow out a number. Wait, hold Whoa. I'm sorry. One through ten. (laughs) ten, Ah, wait! Stop. Stop. Again. Okay.
0: We got there. Somebody said. Somebody
3: said it. Say it slowly, cause somebody said.
0: Six. Who said six? Who said six?
3: Six.
0: Nobody said six.
3: No, you didn't. (laughs) Wish you did. (laughs) No. All right. So I'm gonna do one more. Ready? Okay,
0: go. Okay, wait. Wait, stop. The first person that spoke said nine. Who is me?
3: Who is me? No,
0: not three. Somebody said it. Somebody said it. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Okay, I'm only doing this one more time and then I'm leaving. All right. Take your time and say it so we can make sure you get it. Ten, seven, five.
0: Five. Five. over here. Who said five? Okay, okay, it's you. Who are you? No, I said five. You, you oh, no. it? No, up in front of her. No, I said five. You said five right there. Hold on. What's your name, lady? Pam. Pam? Pam. Pam. Okay, Pam. you said five. I heard it. Sorry, thank you all. All right. See you all at the banquet or the special interest uh, affiliate sessions.